as we go on, we remember all the times we had together. I don't get it. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm Fonda. Um, and we are. I don't get it. And this is our uh, our end of the year sort of end of the season wrap up. Yes, episode. it's like it's like the the year in review. Yeah. On I don't get it. All and your all a- your favorites are coming back. Yeah. For this podcast. <laughs> it's been a great first year for us. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess we could start by um maybe one of the first things that we saw. Sure. Yeah. So I think we're just gonna go through basically the the list of I guess what stood out for. Us, sort of the highlights, the me- uh, the memories. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think other than us, um, sort of, you know, like our our initial sort of first reaction to that that Brian Webb show that we sure. saw, which I think surprised everyone a little bit. Yes, it did. <laughs> um, um, one of the things that we ended up talking a lot about um, and really um, was kind of a different thing was Alberta Ballet's Up Close. Yeah, absolutely. Um, specifically, the, the piece as part of that uh, choreographed by uh, Yukichi Hattori, who's one of the, the dancers in the ballet. Um, and it was sort of this this beautiful, wonderful piece that involved a lot of ritual. Um, it was all male dancers, which was rare enough. Mm-hmm. We only saw one other show this season um, that had all male dancers. And uh, yeah, explored just almost like a, a contemplative, meditative, almost like a, a, almost a religious sort of experience of sort of dance and, and bars and, and how those all work together. Yeah, and it was, it was a neat um, presentation of that kind of um, ritual, the ritual that ballet dancers go through from a very male perspective. And um, actually, we liked Alberta Ballet up close so much, and I was I was really disappointed to actually not see it um, or not see a parallel program on Alberta Ballet's next season. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have been lovely to see them sort of build on this idea of, of up close and giving these dancers a chance to show... Um, the ballet and and their skills in a sort of different environment than they usually present them in. Yeah, it's a program that they've kind of uh, uh, like a smaller scale program that they've mm-hmm. presented in Calgary for a couple years already. This was the first year they did it here. And I'm not sure what the reasoning was in not bringing it back, but we just like wanted to say that we totally dug it. Yeah, and it was cool. Maybe it'll come back next year. Um, Yukichi Hitori does have a new work appearing in Alberta Ballet's next season, Sick. so we can watch for that. Great. Um, I think next up, actually, like in the order of things, may have been the Prairie Dance Circuit. Sure, yeah. Um, there was uh, uh, the Indian dance piece called Alap. Yeah, yeah, and that stood out, which was interesting, I guess. Um, I'd never been exposed to to cultural dance in in such a way, and it was a uh, it was a really fantastic experience for especially for someone who doesn't have a, a background in dance to see. Um, a very different take on on dance that we'd seen previously. We'd seen a lot of contemporary dance or ballet, mm-hmm. which were sort of the typically the two um, facets of dance we've we've mostly seen. Yeah, in, very in Western-based movement, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that was one the great thing about seeing classical Indian dance presented in a contemporary manner. Right. Um, it was it was neat to see such different movement qualities, movement coming from different places in the body yeah, and whirling dervishes or, yeah or a real yeah thing. turns from the heel not the toe <laughs> oh, and i never knew and now i do yeah that was wonderful that was a wonderful highlight yeah yeah and so i think that you know um knowing that i have a thing for indian dance now i know i can drag paul to more of it oh boy yay <laughs> but sincerely oh boy 
Um, I think next up in the season, I th- I know this show wasn't one that you were able to see, right. but the Northwest Dance Project, um, which is uh, touring from Portland, Oregon. Right, that was um, Sarah Slipper's work. Yeah, Sarah Slipper is the artistic director, and that piece, or the, the show, I'm sorry, actually had four different pieces in it. And the two that really stood out for me were Daniela Gami's piece. Um, and Daniela Gami is like sort of like one of the first people to bring the Gaga dance style pre, uh, created by the Batsheva Dance Company in Israel and it was it was wicked and cool and they had like military uniforms and oranges cool. rolling across the stage there was a dozen dancers and it was um it was nonsensical and funny and fun and I really, really, truly enjoyed it. And I know you would have dug it, Pazzo. Bring it back. <laughs> and then there was Sarah Slipper's piece um, called Memory House, which actually broke my heart. And I could not even talk about it. It's true. On the you, podcast you, without crying. You teared up telling, about, telling me about it before the podcast and then also during the podcast. Yes. And then also presumably <laughs> when you watched the show. So when I watched times. when I watched the show, it happened. Um, it, it the, the piece was actually just before I intermission and I went into the washroom at intermission and just sobbed and then actually I was not the only one though it was a very emotionally affecting piece about a young couple um, with an improvisational end where the female dancer could choose the ending whether to run back to her memory of him or to leave and and in the iteration that we saw she chose to leave and it was just boom gut-wrenching um something i'll never forget so sarah slipper also broke my heart this year that was that was a thing um and also is there a better dancer's name than sarah slipper honestly out there no no that is i it's incredible she's uh uh, originally canadian now lives in portland oregon uh works with the northwest dance project if they ever tour here again we will be all over it yep what else we got? What else we got? So I think next up in the year sort of happened um, Expanse, the Expanse Festival. Right, yeah, yeah. We had a blanket, a residency in a blanket fort. In in a lobby of a theater. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, it was really neat to see, and it was really neat to spend that that much time with uh, so many dancers touring and everything. I love talking to Deanna Peters and seeing her piece New Raw, uh, which was largely improvisational, um, based on sort of like um, a spectrum of high school characters. It oh, seems. yeah. Like there was the pretty princess girl and the kind of jock girl and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, really, really enjoyed seeing Deanna Peters' piece. Right, right, as part of the Expanse Fest. Uh, what else? Um, I guess the other one that stood out for me in Expanse um, was something we will hopefully see later in the year, but it was sort of the uh, the kernel of the Good Women Dance Collective piece that was presented. It was, a, it was sort of a, a shorter version of a show they will presumably be developing for their own Convergence Showcase in December, um, choreographed by Ainsley Hilliard. Uh, that was just a really interesting look at sort of, I guess, um, female dynamics and and relating to each other, and uh, had some great vomity sounds. Uh, yeah, they had presented. some they had some nice exploratory uh, um, vomity sounds, vomity sounds and dialogue, um, kind of one upping each other a lot with with that. And there's a sense of competition between women, um, and maybe exploring those types of themes. So I I, ha- I have a feeling, I have a sneaky suspicion <gasps> that um, that this new piece by Ainsley Hilliard will be developed from what we kind of previewed at Expanse will be shown at the Good Women's Annual Convergence Showcase. Sure. Yeah, so that's something to look forward to for next season as well. 
Great. And while we are on the topic of Ainsley Hilliard, this was not... Um, these these pieces I'm going to mention were not actually on any official dance season. What? But, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, keep going. Um, but she has a really great way of sort of just um, kind of infiltrating and, and getting in on an evening. And the she did two pieces at the Next Fest nightclubs this year, which were just astonishing. And I think that I kind of wanted to mention. Go and do you it. do you remember seeing them, Paul? Yes, I saw both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, at the Rise Up showcase, she did, it, and I don't know that the pieces were titled or not, so I'm, you know, <laughs> Ainsley may be able to tell us later if they were. But this one, she held uh, at the Rise Up showcase, which is kind of like a political nightclub. It's, it's, it's. It's for commentary, basically, for artists to make commentary. At all of these nightclubs, um, artists can present sort of short works, be they theatrical or musical or or whatever the structure. And and these two, yeah, were sort of, um, this first one was sort of more political in nature. Yeah, her first, both of these were solo pieces. So the first solo was kind of an, uh, at the Rise Up nightclub, and it was in response to um the the yes all women hashtag yeah. campaign um, and, and more more specifically the sort of reaction to that campaign of not all men mm -hmm. um and this was sort of her response to that yeah and it was um it was absolutely terrifying to watch it was a young woman um kind of she holds up a sign that says i don't want to die yeah yes she did <laughs> and then she proceeds to go around the room like asking the men in the room if what she's doing is enough and also, um, yeah, yeah, and then um, uh, finding all the single men in the room um, mm -hmm. and sort of... Uh, oh, yeah, calling out all the single right, men in the room. Right, all the single right, men right, in the right. room and sort of yeah. um, mm -hmm. uh, making out with them. Yeah, um, and actually just physically going up to them and grabbing them and, you know, kissing them and things. And it was just these the huge moment of vulnerability and as a woman to watch is absolutely terrifying right right and then sort of the the comment on that being at the end she held up two more signs one saying not all men but and then the, the sort of flip side of that being but how many but how many right. really yeah yeah so that was really affecting and the other one that she read was that the she did was at the uh the smut the smut nightclub right. which is all based on like smutty sexual urges and tensions and things mm -hmm. like that and she was reading these letters from like her ex-boyfriends real letters from Right. her ex-boyfriend so she, that she gotten, had never yeah, opened before. She'd gotten a bunch of her, her um, former relationships to write her a letter just about that relationship, and they could write whatever they wanted, and she read them aloud for the first time on stage. They were in sealed envelopes. Yeah, just a real um, amazing moment of exposure and vulnerability. And then after she read the letters, she did a dance response to them, which right. was just beautiful and wonderful and all i have to say is that miss hilliard has like the balls of a dragon hidden somewhere <laughs> dragon's balls and they're, they're just her like talismans for everything she mm -hmm. does in life so um you know keep being brave and keep doing those things that make us think and make us feel because that was really wicked those the keep those dragon's balls a-flowing um, <laughs> uh one other thing maybe that we saw fairly recently um was a uh, was a show tell by Mel Zero Dance that stood out for us this year. Yeah, um, a site specific work set at the Aurora Motel on 111th Avenue. Uh, just your run of the mill CD motel. You could smoke in the rooms. All the the regulars were sort of you know weird and in strange places in their lives. And and Miles Zero Dance took over a couple rooms and presented these these sort of strange wonderful. Um, almost like installation uh, art pieces within within the structure of a motel and sort of riffing on the idea of living in a motel and being trapped in a place like that. 
a yeah. transient space like that. And and also just like really, really capturing some of the characters that live there. I think I'll never forget Jen Mesh's character in, in Showtel. Um, just like a rig the, pig, like just a like, classic like, rig but, pig. But the cutest rig pig ever. You know, she's got her toucan in a little, in a, her t-shirt. She's wearing little diesel shorts. She dressed just like a rig pig would with no one watching in the, right, in the right. room. And... Um, also, the musicians that were th- were with her, um, Alison Balsettis on the on a huge saxophone, yeah, huge, um, huge yeah, and it's sort of who who was sort of present in a in a house robe and gave it like a real Twin Peaks vibe, mm-hmm. um, just sort of this this strange, almost Lynchian purgatory these people were trapped in. Yeah, and, and I think her, that character. I think Jerry Morita did a really good job drawing the artists together and figuring out sort of like what you wanted the rooms to be like and what sort of experience it was. People were smoking in the motel, you yes, know. They, they were, were they were smoking rooms. You could you could put three dollars on the fridge in the room and buy the beer. Patrick Arise Pilon was roaming with a peep show out of like just inside in his of his coat. jacket. Like, your classic like guy in a trench coat being like, Wanna buy a watch? But with like a peep show and cigarettes. Wanna, wanna buy a peep show? <laughs> Or a cigarette. Yeah, <laughs> like these were your options. Yeah, so that was just a really neat experience. Um, and I think that the even the dancing that we saw in it was just great. Um, and also the overall sensory experience, especially the honey toast. The honey toast was Yeah, they, super, they served toast good. with honey on it. It was very delicious. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, that was the Chotel at the Aurora Motel. And I, I really like the site-specific idea. I kind of think that, you know... If there, I know Mile Zero's thing is a lot of site-specific work, but if there were more companies that were kind of willing to explore outside of the box and take you out of your audience comfort zone where it's just okay to sit in a chair and watch the whole mm-hmm. time, um, as opposed to roam around, play, and interact with people, um, that was uh, that was that, that was a great a great experience, I think. Great, yeah, and so maybe now let's maybe talk about our best experience of the year. Yeah, well, um, I think that we both sort of agreed on what it was because yeah. we both couldn't stop talking about it for a couple days. Right, yeah, and it was sort of a, a piece we almost missed. It was only presented once um, as part of the uh, Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission coming through Edmonton uh, as sort of a, 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 I guess, a response to that as part of that, a sort of a night of art, sort of engaging with those same ideas of, of First Nations and, and uh, Caucasian relations in this country. Um, and it was a piece called Native Girl Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, um, choreographed or, and or conceived by Laura Kramer. Um, and, you know, we went through this piece and we've we've talked about it a few times even since we've watched the piece that, uh, you know, the first 10 to 12 minutes of the piece are were really difficult to watch. And it was really like actually calling you to see see and look at something that you know you kind of see every day living downtown but you or don't at the downtown. same time yeah, yeah. So, or you don't pay attention to mm-hmm, you can yeah. walk by it and it, you don't you don't watch it for that extended right. period of it time would, it basically showed us maybe five or six different characters these sort of different um uh first nations women who were sort of all damaged in a different way and just sort of forced you to um Normally, this is something you would probably look away from on the street, but it just sort of forced you in a theater convention, uh, in a theater uh, setting, to just sit there and really, like, think about it and meditate on why this was and just how damaged these people are and Mm -hmm. how impossible or difficult it is to pull themselves up from that. Yeah, and actually how painful it was. Like, it was, you really, you feel pain watching them, and it was... I see, I know you You always talk about them as five different characters each, sure. but I always think that they were, I, I felt like they were each on a spectrum okay, um, yeah. of the same character and the same person's journey. 
And you could see um, one of them sort of like cycle through the addiction and get better and then just be knocked down again socially by her peers and then get back into the addiction, back into the into the tent, the pla- the clear plastic tent, which just is it was so symbolic and of of the vulnerability and the visibility of these people, but yet you are they're still so easily ignored. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Visibility, but also invisibility. Yeah, um, and also a sort of harrowing image that sort of seemed to almost be like a person in a body bag with this clear white tarp that was sort of um, used in multi- uh, multiple of ways during the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very powerful. Very. Um, uh, yeah, affecting and something that certainly stuck with us. Yeah, and since... one of one of the great solo solo bits of the season, I think, was when Angie Chang, who was in the, in this piece in Native Girl Syndrome, had um, the worst the worst sort of drug relapse freakout, um, and you know, to to anyone sort of just not watching for the actual dance and her actual like responsible falls and things that were happening, it looked like she was just like tearing up this stage with no consideration for her own body or, or well-being at all. And very, it was very emotionally powerful and really sad um, and also just like upsetting. Yeah. Um, but but in the end, you come away, you know, like with this sense of like something really powerful mm-hmm. uh, that you've seen. And I was just yeah. really thankful that we actually got to see it because right, we almost right. didn't hear about it at all. Right, right. And yeah, it was a great example of, I guess, art creating empathy um, in its audience um, and just sort of having a chance to. Um, show you something that really affected you and made you feel and and hopefully more sympathetic going forward, uh, which doesn't always happen in art. In across the spectrums and mediums of art, this was something that was sort of profoundly affecting, mm-hmm. um, and we are very glad to have seen it. Yeah, profoundly affecting, and yeah, it was very heavy. But on the on the slightly lighter mm. side, one of the best kind of notes that ended the season was um, the at next duet fest. at Next Fest. Yes, mm-hmm. was this duet called Zenshukt, and I don't remember if that's exactly how we pronounce it or not. Sure. But it's also subtitled "I Can't Find It For You," which was choreographed by Anna Groppler and Emma Kirsten from Toronto. And this duet was just funny and light and wonderful. Um, and it was kind of poking fun at that really, really haughty, um, high class sort of like, this is what dance should be. Right, right. They were they were both in sort of these, these flowing dresses that could have almost been Victorian and sort of in like, um, like sloppily tied up boots. Um, yeah. And just and doing like, these mm-hmm. motions in... In sort of not in, even in an exaggerated way, but mm-hmm. just like presented in a way so much that it really highlighted like some of the silliness and the ridiculousness of going through these these physical actions. Yeah, they would they would sort of do these like long reaches and sweeps with their arms and legs, and then they would end it with a really awkward like foot slam or something. Yeah, which was just, and it was deliberately funny and deliberately silly. And I I would just be very very curious to see um, these gals again. I think that their ideas and their thoughtfulness actually in the progression of that of that piece was was fantastic. Hell yeah. So, I mean, there were a couple other things that happened this year. We want to really, I, I know I personally had a really great time. Uh, I know, Paul, you had some time away <laughs> this year. Check. But I had some really great times with our guests who came on the show. Yeah. Uh, j- thanks to, you know, Jen Mesh, uh, who helped us review Convergence, and Vince Forcier, who um, came in for Leo, which was a beautiful physical theater show. Yeah, well. um, in particular, I think that some of my favorites chat were with Omar 
Omar Mualam on Caged. I think that which was the Johnny Cage, uh, the musician inspired piece. Yeah, John Cage. Um, it was d- presented by Miles Zero Dance, and that was um, and Andrew Harwood uh, was the creative. Uh, mind behind that and uh that was just really interesting to go through i i have to say i really quite enjoy seeing dance with people who don't watch dance because we have the best conversations afterward and also with um trent wilkie who came to the ale2 performances which included revelations which was like kind of a culmination for me as someone who has um studied dance in the past Uh, revelations is one of your sort of like textbook american contemporary dance pieces so that was neat to see and it was really neat to talk to Trent Wilkie about it right. um, and have those guys on the show. Yeah, and thanks for covering my butt, guys, when I couldn't <laughs> be there. I mean, we had, we had a pretty cool, like, first run of things, Paul. We, yeah. we won one of those, like, Edmonton New Media Awards. Yes, a Yegi. A Yegi. A Yegi. And we um, weren't even there to accept it. Thank you, Andrew, thanks, for Andrew, doing that. Thanks, our producer, yeah. for doing that. Um, we were in two different places. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was an interesting first year for you, um, as someone who has seen a lot of dance, and for me, as someone who has not seen a lot of dance. Yeah, so how do you feel about it now? Do you do you, do you get dance? Do now, I Paul? get <laughs> dance more? Um, yes and no. I think more. Um, the more pertinent question is: um, I feel like in general, when we talk about art, um, and people aren't familiar with a particular type of art, be it dance or theater or visual art, um, is everyone's afraid of sort of. Uh, looking stupid or feeling stupid or not getting it um, and then thus being unable to really talk about it. But if anything, um, I've sort of like figured out or encountered this year in seeing so much dance, which I have no background in, and before this year have seen, I don't know, maybe five pieces total, um, it's that uh, it doesn't matter your background and whether or not you have that sort of connection or, or history, that's in, that to an extent is important to understand sort of on a deeper level. But just sitting and watching art happen um, will affect you in a way, uh, whatever that way is. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be an informed way, but it'll give you an, sort of an emotional or, or uh, a brain sort of reaction. And that's, that's what art is, is supposed to do. Um, whether or not you have a background in that particular facet mm-hmm. of art. And so I guess what this year has been really great uh, for me uh, in in doing is sort of letting go of the idea of like not getting in air quotes, which you can't see, but I just made it with my hands, um, not <laughs> getting dance and contemporary dance and just sort of um, watching it and seeing what happens and what I think about and what movements I'm drawn to or what patterns emerge and what stands out. And the good stuff really does stand out. Whether does, or not you yeah. know it, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it just sort of affects you because that's uh, its mission and its goal. Whether or not you know, you know, the specific movements being used or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, um, any any new viewers to to any new form, really, whether it's visual art or dance or theater or anything, mm-hmm. you kind of need to just just crack the egg, just get started. You know, I make that omelet, it's, crack it's, that egg. Well, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to use another metaphor, Hit which it. is like terrible, but it's sort of like tasting wine. Okay. You know, first time you taste wine, maybe you're just like, like grape, fermented grape yeah, juice. Yeah, fermented grape juice, really. That's a, I don't know about that. But then the more that you taste it, the different kinds that you taste, you start getting a sense. And I mean, it takes, it takes a long time to sort of just like develop a knowledge base and the more knowledge base you have sometimes you are able to appreciate things but i still think that you're right i still think that the truly good stuff does 
actually stand out right. no matter who you are. Yeah, even if you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have the vocabulary for it, it'll still sort of affect you in a way. And and just being able, just being willing, I guess, more than able to, to talk about it and say like, yeah, that affected me. I don't know why, but when this, this motion happened, it really sort of like something mm-hmm. changed in me um, is a really this uh, a wonderful. This little crook of an arm sometimes just can just like, you know, break your heart or give you a black eye. Right. Either way. <laughs> That's the, the danger and the reward of a crook of an arm. Yeah. I mean, so thanks, Paul. Thanks a lot for like going through this first season with yeah, me. I think, I think we're, I think we're going to try and see some more stuff. Yeah. Next year, we're going to try and see some maybe stuff over the summer. Maybe we'll go to a rave. That's my goal. Yeah. We want to like, go to a rave. If we really want to. Yeah. Yeah. talk about dance in the world as it talk is talk right about now. the ecstatic dance and the ecstatic dance the history of group dance and things mm-hmm. like that i think that that's absolutely valuable we could maybe right. bring in um someone from the ukrainian dance community on that because ukrainian dancers are just crazy like that sure <laughs> great um but and then yeah and then we'll 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 riff through next season again we'll we'll keep going yeah, and there may be like an odd episode during the summer where we cover, I don't know, something like a rave. Ho- We're ho- going to a rave. A horse circus. A horse circus. <laughs> Odysseo. We're going to Odysseo. Some of us have already gone to Odysseo. It's me. I have not, and I'm so kind of curious. It's the horse ballet. It's the horse ballet. So we'll do that. Um, yeah, so a couple of special extra episodes over the summer. But yes, we look forward to coming back to you, Edmonton, next season with your full dance season. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for also telling us about what you're doing to the dance community. If you have a show that is going on, yes. you know, um, Paul and I Paul and I have like four other full-time jobs between us. Um, Three of th- those are fondest. This is, <laughs> this is not actually something we consider our job. This is something we consider fun and that we do extra. So if you have something that's coming up, please tell us as early as you can. Like you- a month out would be great. Great, yeah. Um, email us early you can email us it's on our website or tweet at us or tweet at us i don't get it dance um or i don't get it dance.com is our website Mm -hmm. and um yeah we've really appreciated um you letting us into your doors and and just um yeah inviting our conversation which we've enjoyed having immensely yeah great well thanks everybody thanks everybody see you next time bye-bye bye-bye I Don't Get It Dance is an award-winning podcast recorded in a blanket fort in a house somewhere on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Canada. It was recorded and edited by Andrew Paul. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more about Ghibli at ghibli.bandcamp.com. And you can find more about us on our website, idontgetitdance.com. Our Twitter is at idontgetitdance, and you can also find us on iTunes. Sit here, thank you.